Proverbs chapter number four to begin with tonight. Jonathan, could you bring the microphone up just a little bit, bud? I feel like I'm talking to an empty room here. There we go. Check, check. Are you there? Are we still up? All right. Is that any better? Can you all hear me now? Everybody hear me? Can you hear me? All right. All right. Good to have everybody here. Um, time to go to the Lord in prayer tonight before we get into our lesson. And I do want to mention a few requests uh, that have been asked. First of all, be in prayer for our country tonight and um, all the distress and um, uh, things that are going on. And uh, I want to assure you tonight, God is still in control. Amen. And uh, none of this has taken him by surprise. Um, somebody said this one time, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? And uh, he's, he knows what the end is already uh, before we even uh, have gotten into this place. And uh, I believe that it's time for God's people to renew themselves and give themselves again to prayer and praying for our country and the leaders of our country and then do our part uh, to be a witness and to be salt in this world. And um, I want to encourage you in that. Don't be discouraged. Uh, God is still on the throne. And uh, I shared uh, this morning in the devotion time, if you don't tune in on uh, uh, Monday through Saturday you know, on our Facebook page, we do... Uh, a morning devotion time. You're welcome to tune into that if you'd like to. And um, this morning we were in Psalm, 5, uh, Psalm 55, and um, the psalmist was was mortified. He was, as so often you read in the early part of a lot of the psalms that he writes, the psalmist really was a, a fellow who understood a lot of depression, a lot of discouragement in his life, but always had joy because he realized that the Lord was his strength through it. And by the way, that is where the joy is. Amen. Uh, in the fact that He is our, our strength and our provider. And today in Psalm 55, the thing that discouraged his heart so much, Brother Keith and I were talking about it a little bit before the service this morning, this evening, was the fact that he said, if it had been my enemy, I could have borne it, he said. And if it had been uh, somebody that was uh, upset at me, uh, I could have taken that. But he said, the, the reason my heart is so distraught is because my own friend, my own acquaintance, the way he worded it is the one that I went to the house of the Lord with. We went there together. Uh, we were in company together when we went to the house of the Lord. He said, and it hurt worse when that man betrayed me or that person betrayed me. And I thought, boy, there's a lot of um, things that hurt us in our life, isn't there? And the temptation is to get upset and angry and turn from God and uh, uh, seek vengeance and justice. And we talked about how uh, the psalmist was careful today uh, to put justice, for the matter, in God's hands, not in his own hands. And the truth is, our justice is always going to be an imperfect justice. And so we leave that in God's hands. And But David said this, he said, As for me, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And that's easy for us to read. It's easy for us to know that concept and to, pra and to do that concept. It's very hard for us to practice that concept. Uh, we all know that. Uh, it's an easy and a simple thing to think about, but so hard to practice, isn't it? When someone does us wrong, uh, they cut us to the quick, and those that are even closest to us sometimes that hurt us, and yet uh, we need to remain faithful, keep our hearts on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And, uh, boy, what a joy it was to read that chapter, and uh, I think it's archived. If you'd like to go back and watch it, um, I think it'll be an encouragement to you. I really do. I told... Brother Keith, we've done 55 of the Psalms now, and out of all of them, this morning I think was probably the best, uh, most, I guess the best way to word it would be the most uh, applicable 
psalm that we've covered so far as far as things that happen in our lives that um, having relevancy to issues that are everyday issues to a lot of us and how quickly and easily we are so uh, hurt and moved and, and uh, angered by some things. And um, I think that will be a help to you. And uh, that was for free tonight, okay? That's not even part of the message. Just wanted to share that with you because it was such a blessing this morning and enjoyed the time there. Um, do keep in prayer uh, a lady named Claudia down in Florida. She is uh, uh, one of the church members down there from my home church. And uh, she went in the hospital last night with some heart issues and some disorientation. And so, if you will, uh, pray for her uh, and keep her in prayer tonight. And um, uh, continue to pray for Jean Whitener, who Miss Sandy said is at home now. So we thank the Lord for that, but still recovering uh, from her uh, fall that she took. Uh, I have not heard a report this week from Miss June, but she was supposed to go yesterday and hopefully was able to have her chemotherapy treatment. Um, but we've been praying for her, so continue to pray for her. Uh, also, Bob, Brother Bob Schwabert, who is in uh, Jefferson Mercy, and pray that God will bless there in his recovery. He broke uh, his leg, took a fall and broke his leg, and so pray for him. Um, and then also continue to pray for Linda Craig, uh, who has um, uh, some problems with her lungs still, and she, it was good to see her here Sunday. Uh, wasn't that a blessing? Uh, but still not able to get out and about very much, and so pray for her. Also, uh, Joanne Clark, who uh, uh, has had some uh, uh, recent days, it's been very difficult having lost Brother Larry here a little over a month, several months ago now, and uh, this is the trying time of uh, when everything's quiet and everybody's left and all the things have settled down, and it's been very hard on her, so pray, keep her in prayer. I would encourage you, if you'd like to write her a letter or a phone call, we have her information back there on the back board, and especially some of you ladies, it would be a blessing, I'm sure, if you'd... Uh, just call and just say hi, how you doing and just want to let you know we're praying for you and, and just kind of encourage your day a little bit uh, if you would do that. And um, so those are the requests that I know of right now. Uh, if you have something else you'd like us to pray for, pray for the building to sell uh, over at, uh, in DeSoto. Uh, pray that God will bless there. And uh, anything else that we need prayer for tonight? Yes, sir. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. So pray for this one. Uh, also pray for the folks out at Living Springs Camp. They're having camp this week, I know, uh, over at Second Baptist. And some of the folks out there, I think they had about 25 or so campers going out there this week. And so pray for them, if you would. All right. Yes, ma'am. Miss Sandy. Okay. Okay. All right, so pray for Gail Michael, Miss Sandy's son, uh, who needs to have some back surgery, so pray for that. All right. Miss Linda, did you have your hand up back there? Okay. Okay. Okay, all right. Yeah, Brother Richard was mentioned to me just a little bit before the service, but he said you'd have more details on it. So uh, do be in prayer. We've been praying for Ron for congestive heart failure, uh, but now they found a mass uh, in his lungs, so pray for that, that 
as they uh, see what's, what's necessary there. So pray for that. Also, if you wouldn't mind, continue to pray for my sister Leanne Britton, uh, who also still has uh, some cysts that they're worried about. Um, the spot on her liver came back good, and, and it's benign, so we thank the Lord for that. But uh, the cysts they're a little bit concerned about, and they're still uh, going back and forth with testing and doctors on those. So pray for uh, a good report from that. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, continue to pray for Brother Randy Casey. I uh, got a chance to spend some time with him here about a week ago and seemed to be doing pretty well. Um, but certainly it's, uh, it's hard anytime you lose a loved one like that. The house gets real quiet, and so uh, continue to pray for him. Yes, ma'am. Right. Right, yeah, he went down. He, I think he was leaving that Monday after I was with him, and that's Jan's husband. Right, yeah, uh, who they found out has Alzheimer's, so pray for that. Yes, sir. Okay, yep. Yeah, we mentioned him Sunday, but continue to pray for Harold Hurchin uh, as he recovers from surgery. And uh, all right, anything else? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Okay, yes, continue to pray for Brother Ted Houston. Uh, we've not mentioned him a whole lot, but he's he's really gone downhill, from what I understood, with his cancer recently. Do you have a, a current update? I know I talked to a friend of mine out in Kansas that's about an hour from him here about a month ago, and that's the last update I had. Okay. So continue to pray for that. Uh, he's been battling cancer for a while now, but it has really he's had to cancel a few meetings. He doesn't travel very far when he does preach, but... You know, I'm thankful for men that stay faithful. And uh, Brother Ted's one of those guys that if you can prop him up in the pulpit, he'll preach. And so pray for him, if you would. Uh, he's been a champion for the Lord, and I think he's been faithful. We certainly owe him our prayers. All right? Uh, somebody else? Miss Kim? Okay. Right. Okay. And that's whose boyfriend? Oh, Cassie. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, all right. So pray for these two requests, if you will. I'm sorry? Matt Kaiser, okay, yeah, Matt Kaiser. We uh, we haven't mentioned him a whole lot recently, but do I'm going to try to get in touch with him hopefully this week and see how he's doing. But uh, be in prayer for Matt Kaiser. All right, someone else? Anyone else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Lord, we come to you tonight. We're thankful that you hear and answer prayers. We're thankful uh, that we can come to you as a child comes to a father. And the amazing thing that we know, Lord, is that you know already what the burdens of our hearts are even before we come to you in prayer. And yet you desire for us to bring them so that we can give our expression of trust that you will uh, have them in your hands and that your will will be done. We pray that you would uh, touch those that need healing. Lord, many tonight that are battling um, very serious cancers, we think of Miss June and uh, Brother Ron now uh, that they're finding out uh, the mass on his lungs and 
Uh, Lord, as they test and, and seek treatment on that, I pray that you would guide and direct. We pray for my sister Leanne as they continue to run tests on her and deal with that situation. And uh, then, Father, others that are homesick tonight or recovering from things, I pray that you would give strength there. For those that are very near death's door, we pray that you would give comfort. And those that have recently lost loved ones, we think of Brother Andy tonight and the homegoing of Miss Mary recently and Miss Joanne with the homegoing of Brother Larry. We think of the family of uh, the Uber driver, Miss Debbie, that you would bless uh, with her family. And, Lord, give comfort and grace there. And uh, then, Father, that you would help to guide and direct so many that uh, are struggling with the troubled times that we live in. They're seeking for your direction and, and will. There's anxiety involved. And, Lord, several that uh, even I've talked with recently that uh, are very concerned about the times that we're living in. And I pray that you would bring great grace and great comfort and great peace. And I pray that you'd help us to honor and glorify you in uh, these days that uh, our world so desperately needs to see you. And I pray that you would help us to be a shining light and a salt to this world, that we can uh, make a difference, that we can share the gospel with those that need to hear it. And Lord, that we would remain faithful. We think of Brother Ted Houston tonight. And Lord, what a testimony. We thank you for how you have been able to use him. And he would be the first to stand here tonight and tell you that it has only been by your grace that the ministry that he's been able to have has been accomplished. We pray that you would bless him and strengthen him for the days ahead, that you would uh, ease some of the discomfort and pain and the treatments that so quickly take his strength and energy away. And lift him up. Lord, give grace to his family during this time. We do pray that you'll bless the service tonight, and Lord, that you would guide and direct us in your word. Lord, we want nothing more than your truth tonight to guide and to direct us. And I pray that our hearts will be hungry and thirsty for it. And may we latch on to it and put it into practice and into place in our lives. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look in Proverbs chapter number 4 tonight, if you will. Hold your place there for just a few moments. Lord willing, tonight we're going to finish up our series that we've been dealing with on living by Bible principle. <clears throat> and um, we've spent some time dealing with uh, some of the important statements that were made at the onset uh, of us being involved every day. In spiritual warfare, we are in a battle every day. Whether we wanted to or not, the day we got saved, we were in the Lord's army. And uh, Satan is, is doing everything that he can um, not to harm you, not to sidetrack you, not to get you to go backwards, but he's trying to destroy you. Uh, it's his goal. That's what he's trying to accomplish. And so every day we're involved in uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, every day uh, we either experience triumph or defeat. And every day God desires for us to have victory. And the only way that we can have victory is to know and live by Bible principles. We must make the Word of God our foundation. Uh, we don't um, hold to uh, practices uh, that some man came up with. We don't hold to uh, a hierarchy of a, a church association that dictates to us uh, what we ought to believe and what we ought to stand on. Uh, we believe that there's only one source for our doctrine and for that which we rule our lives by, and that source is to be the Word of God. And so the importance, the urgency 
that we know not only uh, what, what these Bible principles are and how to find them, but we also know how to apply them to our lives. Very, very important that we understand this. Probably one of the greatest faults that we've had in recent years has been not so much not knowing what these Bible principles are, although there's been a great drought of that, but also when we do know what those Bible principles are, we fail to incorporate them and put them into practice in our lives. So we spent some time the last several weeks talking about that. We talked about the types of principles that there are. We spent last week kind of giving a short review and uh, expounding a little bit more on the best ways to make application to our lives. Uh, the first thing that we found is it's easier to make application if we will form it uh, into the form of a question, and that will help us uh, greatly in applying it. Uh, secondly, if we will review the principles that we have written down systematically, we have some kind of a plan to go back and review them often. And the reason for that is uh, our brains aren't what they used to be, amen? As we get older, as we get more gray hair, those brains tend to leak a little bit more. And we need some way to remember the principles that we have uh, found and looked at over the years. Uh, we found also the third way to apply it to our lives is to work at memorizing the passages that are associated with them. Uh, now, I'll tell you this. Um, as I get older, it's harder and harder to memorize. Uh, there was a time when I'd go to camp and to memorize 100 verses in a week was a challenge, but it was doable. Now, whether I retained it or not was another issue, but we got them down enough to say them and get points for our team. And really, believe it or not, after years of doing that over the years, many of those, if not most of those verses, were even retained as we memorized them each summer, year after year. And then through youth programs and, and Christian school education and things like that, um, the memorization came easier when we were younger. And as we get older, it gets harder. And the, the, um, the, the problem with that is, as we get older and it gets harder, we quit putting forth the effort because we say it's just harder for me to learn. I can't do it anymore. Well, the truth is we still can memorize. It's just harder to memorize. And so we've got to, on purpose, say I'm going to work at memorizing the passages that are associated with the principles that I learn. And uh, set a reasonable goal. Uh, set a goal that will stretch you a little bit. Uh, try, try one verse a week. Write it on a three-by-five card. Um, put it everywhere you go. I found with Baptists, probably one of the best places to put a verse that you're trying to memorize is on the door of the refrigerator. Uh, we visit that the most office, often. Uh, or if you're a guy and you shave in the mirror in the bathroom, put it on the bathroom mirror and have it there. My... Uh, my sister-in-law, uh, my brother's family, younger brother's family, they have three small kids, uh, four small kids, excuse me. I lost track because they had so many. Uh, but they've got four young kids. Actually, the oldest one just turned, I think, 14 uh, this year. And um, uh, when I was just at their house here a few weeks ago. And uh, as you walk through their house, everything that has a shiny surface she uses dry erase markers, and they have Bible verses written on the shower stalls in, in their bathrooms. They have them written on mirrors. They have them written on walls. They have them in their kids' bedrooms. And they have verses all over their house where mom will go through, and about every week or so she'll put a new verse up there and dry erase them. Come up with ways, creative ways, to memorize Scripture. It will help us in making application to our lives. Uh, we'll begin to recall those things when we're put into a situation where it requires one of those principles. So just because it gets harder as we get older, 
uh, don't give up on it. Uh, there are ways that we can still memorize. Number four, we said last week, we need to discuss these principles that we find often with others. And we said this just kind of in passing at the end of it. Uh, we did it very, very quickly. And um, so I just want to say this. Uh, by sharing the principles that we learn with other people, it helps us in two ways. Uh, first of all, it will help us to avoid errors. Um, if you, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you or not before, but I've occasionally uh, preached something that somebody will come to me after the service and say, Pastor, are you sure about that? Or uh, especially when I was younger, uh, I had a lot of times that uh, I would uh, talk to my dad, and I'd say, boy, I read this in Scripture, I saw this, and he'd be like, you might be misreading that verse. Um, so by sharing these principles, it helps to keep us from error. We get to uh, have some uh, iron sharpening iron. We get the input from other Christians and, and folks that uh, can look at Scriptures as well. And uh, there are times we may disagree on it perhaps, but it helps us to avoid errors when we share that with others. The second thing that it does is it provides a level of accountability. If we're going to apply these principles to our lives... And uh, I come in this next Sunday, and I say, boy, folks, I, let me tell you, God gave me this principle this week, and boy, isn't it good. And this is, this is something I'm going to work on in my life. The fact that I have shared that with you all of a sudden gives a level of accountability, doesn't it? Because the next Sunday, you're going to look at my life, and you're going to say, okay, does Brother Greg have that in his life? Uh, has he applied that principle? And so uh, there are some things we can do there to help incorporate it. Uh, into our life. And we gave you some uh, scriptures last week of some sample, uh, sample um, principles, uh, and I don't know if I gave you the whole list, but I'll give you real quick a rundown. If you don't have these written down, I'll give you just uh, probably a handful here of references that you can look up that are great verses to find principles in. And, uh, but can I tell you this? The Bible is chocked full of them. We'd be here all night giving scripture references if we gave all of them. So I'm going to give you a handful that will help get you started. They're fairly easy to find principles out of, so you can kind of get used to this process of finding and incorporating Bible principles. Uh, we already gave you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 12, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 23. We did that last week. Also, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 to 13, we find another um, a great, great principle there. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15 to 22. And boy, we found a bunch. If you remember, we ended with that last week. We found a bunch of Bible principles there, didn't we, in a very brief period of time. So here are ones that I don't think I gave to you. I'll just give them to you rather quickly, and you can write them down and look them up. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. And by the way, uh, you can pretty much take all of the Ten Commandments and find a principle out of those, can't you? They're pretty explicit, so those are pretty easy to do. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 3. Ephesians 4 and verse number 3. Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 4. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 12. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. The entire chapter of Psalm 1, the entire first psalm, is a great chapter. You can get a lot of Bible principles out of that one. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58, and Philippians 4, 8. And again, I just picked a handful of them just at random uh, of ones that I feel are, are very, very simple ones to find uh, to get us in the habit of finding Bible principles, developing, developing them into a question, uh, putting them into practice, working at memorizing them and sharing them with each other and saying, boy, this is a great principle of Scripture and uh, the time we uh, spent together. Now brings us to new, uh, new material tonight, and Lord willing, we'll finish if we have time this evening with the, uh, the last lesson in um, living our lives by Bible principles. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 4, hopefully you're already there, and uh, we'll look in verse number 23. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, I'm going to give you, um, I think I've got seven different things tonight, seven different categories. I'm going to call them categories that uh, affect our lives. That if I was writing a notebook of principles, which I encourage you to do, I would try to uh, categorize them. Uh, with these seven categories, you may come up with one or two more if, they're, uh, if you find better ways to, to break down these categories. And I would put these principles under one of these seven categories so that when you're struggling with a particular area of your life, you can go look up that area of your life and say, okay, here are principles that I have learned about those areas of my life. The first one we find, we find here in Proverbs chapter number 4 and uh, verse number 23 um, and uh, that is our attitudes, in the area of our attitudes. What principles of Scripture can we find that help us with our attitudes? Um, we live in a world that the world teaches us that we get all we can, can what we get, sit on the can, don't let anybody have what you've got. If somebody does you wrong, you do them wrong back. Uh, if somebody hits you, you hit them back, or better yet, hit them first. And uh, this is the kind of mentality that our society has, and if we're not careful, we will become what the Bible refers to as being spotted by the world. The influence of the world, even though we're Christians, even though we're children of God, and even though we have a desire to live a godly life, if we are not careful and we don't have some principles in place, some guiding principles from God's Word in place that govern and rule our lives, it's not very long before the spots of the world begin to show on our lives. And we begin to live like the world. So in the area of our attitude, uh, I can understand how lost people's attitudes are. Uh, I, I've seen it, uh, generally speaking, for the most part. Uh, their attitudes are very selfish, very self-centered. Most of them are. Uh, certainly they are not centered around the things of the Lord. And so it affects their attitudes. Some of them are hot-tempered. Um, some of them are unforgiving. Um, and so many areas of our life that the Bible will teach us what our attitudes ought to be like. And by the way, uh, our attitudes are what I consider to be, I think in a large part, uh, when Psalm 1 talks about the tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth her fruit in its season, its leaf also shall not wither. Talking about that leaf, it's the outward sign of a withering tree or a tree that's not getting enough nourishment spiritually. I believe that our attitude is, is part of our leaf, if you will. It's that outward sign. It's what the world sees about the health of our spiritual condition. And so our attitude is very, very important. And so much so that Solomon writes, Keep thy heart with all diligence. This is something we ought to put forth an effort on. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In Proverbs chapter number 3, 
and verse number 5, God writes this, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. So if our heart is to be kept with all diligence, our heart is to have its trust in the Lord. It's supposed to be focused on the things of the Lord. We're to meditate on the things of the Lord. Uh, we uh, uh, need to make sure that we understand our attitudes need to be right. He says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Down in verse number 9 of the same chapter, in relation to this, he says, Honor the Lord. And the idea that we are to have a proper attitude is supposed to be a condition of the heart. The heart is to be controlled and led by the Lord Jesus Christ in His Holy Spirit. So our attitude uh, needs to be dealt with with Bible principles. Don't leave your attitude to whether or not you're having a good day. Don't leave your attitude based on did your spouse have an argument with you today. Don't leave your attitude, especially on if your kids are running amok. Uh, our attitudes, oh, by the way, this is a tough one for Baptists. Don't leave your attitude based on the person who cuts you off in traffic. There's so many things that if we are not careful, our attitude will get the best of us. We've got to make certain that there are Bible principles controlling our attitudes. Do we want to get back at people? Oh, that old flesh nature does, doesn't it? Boy, there are times I just grit my teeth to death just to keep from saying things I want to say because the flesh nature does that. We better have some principles that are guiding us in our attitude. By the way, it will help us in our testimony to the lost world. It's amazing to me. Somebody said years ago when I was a teenager, it says it takes a lifetime to build a testimony and only a moment to destroy it. Just a few words misspoken, just a few words that are said in anger or in haste can destroy a testimony. So we better have some principles of Scripture, and we ought to look for those types of principles. Are there things that teach us about our attitude? Well, I think there's quite a few of them. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Um, the fact that we are to uh, do good to those that despitefully use us and so many other areas that we could look at and principles we could gather. So the first category is the category of our attitude. All right, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and we'll look at our second category, the second area that we ought to find principles to guide our lives in. And, and I know the easy thing to die is to say, well, Bible principles ought to guide all of our lives, and they ought to. I'm not saying that these are exclusive to this. What I'm trying to get at is for us to focus and to narrow these principles into specific areas of our life so that the application of them becomes easier. Uh, because, again, our weakness is not usually in not knowing the principle. Our weakness is usually in not living that principle. So we're trying to be a help here in these areas. Look with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and uh, verse number 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse number 31, the Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye, what's the next two-letter word there? What is it? Whatsoever ye do, do all to glorify yourself. Is that what your Bible says? Do all so that you can get the credit. Is that what it says? It says what? Do all to the glory of God. The second area 
that we must put principles in is our actions, the things that our hands find to do, the things that we do outwardly. Um, very, very important. There are three things that make up every person. What we know, what we do, and what we are. And we focus a lot on what we know and what we do. In fact, 90% of preaching in our churches today are on what we know and what we do. And very little is done on what we are. But I'll tell you this, if what we are on the inside is right, what we know and what we do will take care of themselves. They'll be what they should be. So we understand this, that our actions need to be determined not by our circumstances. Uh, we call that, um, uh, um, uh, I just lost the phrase, uh, trying to think of it, uh, circumstance, uh, the morals that are determined by circumstances. What do we call that? There's a term for it. I don't know. You all you know what I'm talking about. What is it? Situational ethics. There we go. Well, I had it in my brain and it just erased. It was like gone. All right. Situational ethics. You know what I'm talking about by that? That the situation determines whether something's right or wrong. And that's what the world teaches. That's a worldly philosophy. They don't say that there's an absolute moral authority. They don't say there's an absolute ethic. They say that it depends on the situation. I heard somebody, even a preacher, who was talking the other day, said, well, there are times that you have to tell a white lie. And I was like, what is that? That's, that's like saying Christian cussing or, you know, a, a hot cold or, you know, they're opposites. How can you have that? And the truth is we need to get to a place where our actions are controlled, not by the situation. And by the way, can I say it this way? Our reactions need to be controlled by principles of God's Word. Does the Bible give us instruction? Does it give us principles about the outward actions of our life, the things that we find ourselves doing? What about our, our amusements? What about our forms of entertainment? What about the things that we uh, do with our hands, the things that we do with our bodies, the things that we do with our eyes and our ears, the, the senses that God has given to us? What about the things that we go out and do among uh, the world and the, the work ethic that we have? The Bible says that whatever we do, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so our actions is another area or category of life that our principles need to be developed in. Uh, one of the great impressive things as we've studied the life of Joseph is that he had determined in his heart from a young age to be faithful to God. Uh, we look at Daniel. We look at the three Hebrew boys. From a young age, these young men had purposed in their hearts they did not wait till the circumstance came up to make their decision. And, and I think there's wisdom in that. And it's sad uh, that, that we can many times be grown adults spiritually, as far as our spiritual maturity is, and yet not see the importance of, of predetermining our conduct based on the principles of God's Word. In other words, when this situation comes up, I already know how I'm supposed to act because here's what the Bible says about it. It's amazing to me how many times in my life I have heard people say, I know the Bible says this, but... And they go on to justify why they're not living what the Bible says. And so again, we categorize this, our attitude, our actions. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, just over a few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 33. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, this word uh, evil communications uh, in the usage, in the context that it's talking about here, it's not speaking about what comes out of our mouth, 
but it's speaking about our associations, the people that we associate with. And he says this, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Do you know you could live a, 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 a godly and a spiritual life, but if you associate with a particular crowd, your testimony is associated with them. It's very, very important that we apply Bible principles when it comes to picking and choosing the acquaintances that we have in our life. In Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And we see a digression of these people. We find that there's a, a, a spiral that takes place here, a downward spiral uh, in Psalm 1. And if we don't stop it at the first step, we go on to the second step. And if we don't stop it at the second step, we go on to the third step. We find in Psalm 1 the ungodly, and the ungodly are those who have uh, thoughts and, and desires to, uh, to uh, live kind of the way they want to live. But they're the kind of people who uh, do their sin in secret so much. They, they're, they're looking around their shoulders and making sure they're not going to get caught. Then you have the sinners, and the sinners are, are a little more bold with their sin. They're ones that come right out and say, you know what, I'm a sinner, and uh, while I still probably don't want to get caught, I'm going to join a group so I have support around me, and I'm going to live the way I want to live, and I really don't care who sees it. And then you have the scorners. The scorners are those that have gotten so comfortable in their sin that they even defy God. The Bible calls them high-handed sins. Sins where there is no conscience, there's no stirring of the Holy Spirit in their heart any longer. But they are now a scorner who defy God and they sin in the face of God. And by the way, that is all done in Psalm 1 by saying, Blessed is the man that walketh not, that standeth not, that sitteth not in the counsel of these people. The acquaintances that we have are important. Uh, I, for many years, I was a youth pastor, and we taught uh, so often on peer pressure and young people. It's amazing to me what young people will do for peer pressure. And I used to get so aggravated sometimes because you see a good young person, and just because somebody dared him, let me rephrase that, down in South Florida, they had what was called double dog dare. Y'all ever heard of that one? If you were a double dog dare, you didn't dare not do it, Right? And some of these kids would do some of the dumbest things because they were dared to do it and peer pressure. Until I went to a, a youth conference one year, and uh, we went to an amusement park for one of the activities. And they had one of these towers of terror. The, the, uh, what do they call it? The uh, drop zone was what the name of it was. It's this insane ride that some depraved mind made up uh, about a mile and a half tall tower at least, uh, and they put these chairs on it, and they go straight up the tower. They just click, 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 click all the way up to the top, and when you get up there, you wait a second, and then they release that thing, and it free falls. I mean, there's no safety cable. There's nothing. The only thing that stops you is at the bottom of that tower, they've got these, these natural magnets that engage brakes. And that's the only thing that stops you. And then there's the concrete, of course, and that's the safety measure in case you don't make it in the braking action. Now, I weigh 300 and none of your business pounds. And I went on a, Now, I wasn't that heavy back then, or they wouldn't have let me on the ride. Uh, but um, I was lighter then. But we went on a youth trip one time. I was a grown man. I was old enough to know better. I was old enough to have sense to say, uh-uh, no, no, that's not for me. That's a no, 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 I'm not doing that. 
And so we, we avoided that day all day. I had some kids with me. Oh, come on, Brother Greg. It's going to be great. My, my wife was saying, come on, Greg, let's go. We, we need to do this ride. It's going to be great. Come on, we got to do this. And I'd be like, no, let's go over here. These rides are better. They're less insane. Knife throwing, you know, that's, a, that's less dangerous. Less uh, hatchet throwing or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, put you in a blender. It's cheap. It's uh, safer than going on that thing. And all day we avoided that thing. We come full circle around the park, and later in that day, they're all after me. Come on, Brother Greg. I said, no, 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 no. Come on, you chicken. <laughs> I'm not a chicken. <laughs> you want me to go on that? I'll show you. And I got on that line. I got in that line. I thought, what in the world am I doing? I had hair before that ride. And uh, I'm telling you, I got scared to death in that, tr- in that line. I did. I didn't let the kids know it because, boy, you don't let them smell your fear, right? You know, we're a real men. By the way, girls, ladies, you know, they get in the line with you on something like that, and they act like they're all cool. <laughs> yeah, their hearts are thumping, too. They're, they're sweating. They're thinking, what in the world am I doing here? I saw this young couple. So funny. Right before they got on the ride, this guy, I mean, he's, he's really laid back, and you could tell he's, like, trying to be cool. And this girl's all, ha, ah, you know. They got on there. Went all the way up to the top, and I watched these kids as they come down. They're probably late teens, early 20s maybe. And that guy's face was like this, all the way down. And he comes to the bottom, and as soon as he gets off the right, he's like, <laughs> he just had that cool face again. Like, he did not dare let her see that. It's the funniest thing. But you know what I learned that day? Young people are not the only ones susceptible to peer pressure. They got me on that crazy thing. And I say a, a story that I hope you won't miss the point because of the illustration. I hope you'll help remember it because of it. That we've got to be careful of our acquaintances because they will affect us. I know Baptist people that act a particular way only because they're worried about what the other Baptist in the group that they hang out with will think about them. Can I tell you this? Whether that's a good thing and living better because of it, or whether that's a bad thing living worse because of it, that is for sure the wrong motivation for our outward condition. The only thing we ought to be concerned about outwardly is what does God think about it. We've got to be so careful of our acquaintances because if we're not careful with our acquaintances... They will affect us. And so we find principles of Scripture that guide us, that teach us the type of friends we ought to have. Can you think of any Scriptures that teach us about the type of friends we ought to have? Oh, I can find quite a few of them. People that will help us to be drawn closer to the Lord. We find there are verses of Scripture that tell us the kind of acquaintances not to have and the kind of acquaintances that we ought to have. And the Bible is replete with them. Let me just say this. We've got to be careful who our friends are. But we must not get to the place where we mistake that for not being friendly to everyone. There's a difference between being friendly and being a friend of. Um, let me illustrate it this way. If I, if I live next door to a person that was unsaved... And on weekends, they had beer parties and cookouts in their backyard. 
I, as a Christian, will be friendly to that neighbor. But when they ask me to come over and join them for their party on the weekend, I'm not going. It doesn't mean that I don't care for them. It just means that I have some principles that I've established in my life that are not going to be compromised because they're based on God's Word. So we must be careful of our acquaintances, but I fear that, that in the day we live, in my generation, we have mistaken being separated from the world to being hateful to the world. We've got to be careful of that. The Bible says, and on some have compassion, making a difference. The world will never care about what we have to say until they know how much we care. They must see our heart. They must know that we're concerned for them, that we love them. And we've got to be so careful of that. So, yes, be careful of our acquaintances, but don't mistake that and get to the place where we are unfriendly to people. All right? Uh, number four, First uh, John chapter number two. Very familiar passage of Scripture. <clears throat> number four, be careful of the amusements that we have. Now, I want to preface this by saying there's nothing wrong with amusements. There are times that we need the rest and we need the distraction. We need the time apart. Somebody said this one time, you need to come apart before you come apart. And uh, the idea is that even there were times even in the Lord's earthly ministry where he had to depart from the multitudes and be alone to have physical rest. And I understand that there are times for that. But we need to be careful about the amusements that we have in our lives. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15, again, nothing new. Many of you know this by heart. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if, uh, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We need to be careful of the amusements that we have in our lives. Um, the two biggest and, and most vulnerable parts of the Christian life is the eye gate and the ear gate. What we see and what we hear. It was said of Lot uh, in the New Testament. It talks about Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, if you remember the story. It calls him a just man. It says, just Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day in seeing and in hearing the things that were at Sodom and the things that were at Gomorrah. It says that just Lot vexed his righteous soul in seeing and in hearing from day to day. We've got to be careful of our amusements. What do we watch on TV? What are we involved in on the Internet? What are we listening to on the radio stations? Do they provide distraction? They can. But, oh, we've got to be careful of those things. You know, there are some principles the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. He made a covenant with his eyes. So I'm not going to put anything wicked in front of them. I was uh, listening to a preacher one time who was talking about that particular verse. And he said he decided in his house that they were going to, every time that a, um, a television program had anything that was suggestive or anything that was spoken that was off color, that they would turn the program off immediately, not, not wait until the second or third or fourth time. Uh, I remember years ago taking a group of young people uh, on a youth trip, and they were talking in the back of the bus as I was going down the road. I was driving, and um, I was listening to them. They, they started talking about a, a, a movie that one of them had watched. 
And the comment was made just in a split second. He said, it's a good movie. I said, what, what are you talking about back there? He said, it's a good movie, Brother Greg. It only had three cuss words in it. And I pulled the bus over, and we had a good Bible lesson there for the next uh, little while. And I thought, at what point do we assume that just because there's a little bit of corruption, that that's good? The Bible says a little leaven does what? Leaven at the whole lump, doesn't it? This afternoon, my son had a, a plastic cup out on the counter, and, and we try to reuse our plastic cups so we don't have to buy new ones all the time. You know, it's just he and I there. And uh, so he's, he left it there on the sink. The problem is, in the last week, I found like three or four cups sitting up there where he was using a couple, two or three of them, and I kept having to throw them away. So I didn't think much about it. It was sitting there. I was cleaning the kitchen. I threw the cup in the trash can. He came in a couple minutes later. He said, Dad, where's my cup that was sitting here? And uh, I said, I threw it away. And he looks over, and I'm not kidding. It was, just, it was just normal trash. It wasn't nasty trash in the trash can. It wasn't like garbage, like food particles. It was just like paper and cardboard. And this cup is laying on top. And I said, well, just go over. I, I, I was like, go over and just get that out of the, the trash can, you know. No, it's in the trash can. It's sick. It's, it's, it's already corrupted. It's already defiled. It's already got germs on it. And uh, we have to be so careful of these things. Because even a little bit will cause things to happen in our life. When the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes, this preacher who had said I was going to turn off the, 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 turn the channel when they did that, he said, uh, we, we decided that not only were we going to turn off that particular program, but he said we also decided that we would never watch that program again because if they did it once, guess what? They're going to do it again. He said, I didn't want to have my kids there and them do something again like that. So he said, I quit watching that program. He said, it was amazing to me how quickly there was nothing to watch on TV anymore. And the truth is, in the day that we live, there's very little, isn't there? The Bible says, him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. And yet how often our eyes are drawn towards entertainment that has violence in it. We have to be so careful of these things. Uh, amusements, all right. So I'll, I'll leave it enough said there. we got to get on. It's already 8 o'clock. Uh, three more real quick. I'll try to get through them. I'll give them to you quickly. won't spend a lot of time on them. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, very, very important. Also turn with me to uh, Colossians. Very, very important that we are careful the things that we are feeding our minds by way of our knowledge. Turn to me, if you will, also with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter number 3, I think is the passage. I didn't write this one down. Uh, yeah, Colossians 3. Let's look in verse number 16. This is a parallel passage to the passage in Ephesians that says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea being that you're to be controlled by the Spirit of God, the same way that alcohol controls a drunken man. And it talks about singing to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in their hearts to the Lord and giving thanks to God. It talks about submitting themselves, husbands to wives, uh, children to parents, uh, servants to masters, and that sort of thing as part of the attributes of one that is 
led by the Spirit of God. That's what it says in Ephesians. We get to Colossians chapter 3, we find a parallel passage that's the same wording, except this time in verse 16 it says, Let the Word of Christ, what? Dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And uh, we find also in Psalm 119 and verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, 135, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto thy path. And then I would say this, the next category is what we know, what we read, the things that we're filling our mind with. Uh, Lord willing, and I've been working on it for several weeks, Lord willing, if not this Sunday, by next Sunday, and I'm, I'm really trying to have it ready for this Sunday, we're going to do a two- or three-week series on the Word of Faith movement that's out there, these uh, health, wealth, and prosperity preaching type things. And we're going to take a close biblical look. Are they right or are they wrong? If they're not right, then we shouldn't have any part of them. If they are right, then we better get right and do what they're doing, according to Scripture, if that's right. But we're going to look at that because it's important. It's amazing to me how many people sit in the pews of our Baptist churches, and to be honest with you, some of them don't know why they're a Baptist. If you asked them why they were a Baptist, they wouldn't know. Well, my mom and dad raised me in a Baptist church. That's not a good enough reason. Well, I like the preaching. I like the music. That's not a good enough reason. Our pastor is young and athletic and good-looking and full head of hair. That is definitely not a good reason. We better know what we believe. The Bible teaches that we're to be of sound doctrine. So we need to be careful of the things we're reading. By the way, I don't mean to be incendiary with this remark. But there are novels written by Christian authors for ladies that put expectations in a lady's mind that will never be met by the man that they're married to. And even though it's a Christian author and they put Christian words in it and Christian themes in it, it is not certainly anything that should be put in a woman's mind. I don't mean to be ugly and I don't mean to be hard on that issue but it can be something that can split a family and create problems in the marriage. What we let our young people read. Well, it's just sci-fi, Brother Greg. It's just, it's just fiction. Read stuff like Harry Potter and they get involved in the occult. Their hearts begin to harden towards the things of the Lord as they get older in their teenage years. And you wonder what happened. I took them to church. They carried a Bible. They went to Sunday school. They were in junior church. They were on Wednesday night. We sang the songs. We had family devotions. What happened? We weren't careful with what we put into the mind. Our academics, we've got to be so careful of these things. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2. We're already there in Colossians 3. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Be careful of what we set our affections on. These principles need to be ones that dictate to us what our affection needs to be set on. They ought to be set on things above, not on things on the earth. Don't get too attached to things here. We need to lay up for ourselves treasures where? In heaven. Not on this earth. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, I found this to be true. The things that we want to do, we find time to do them. And if you want to know, if you're saying, Brother Greg, I don't really know what my affections are. 
take a minute and write down what you have spent your time doing this week. And it will show you where your affections are. We've got to be careful of our affections. And lastly, the allocation of our time. How do we allocate our time? The Bible says that we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. The word redeem means to buy back the time. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 16. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Time is short. Uh, and I'll say this. Um, I heard a, a, a fellow say this years ago, uh, asking some people how much time we have in life. And some people said, well, four or three score and ten. Some people said, well, we've got this much time, that much time. The truth is we don't have enough time. That's the answer to it. We don't have enough time. Life is short. The Bible says life is a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. We've got to be careful that we don't fritter away our time. The Bible talks about us giving an account for every idle word that is given. Uh, the idea that we fritter away, we idle away the time. Again, I'm not talking about having time to have time away and time apart and time to rest. But we need to be conscious and good stewards of the time that God has given us. I believe the rapture is going to be very, very soon. I, I hope it's in my lifetime. I think it will be. I think every Christian ought to think that way. We ought to live that way as though the rapture is happening right now. And I hope it does. I hope it comes in my lifetime. But even if it doesn't, my life is too short. I've got to make every second count. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine just not very long ago, about uh, six or eight months ago now, I guess. And he said, Brother Greg, if we're ever going to do anything for God, we need to do it now because we are running out of time. He's a dear friend of mine. He's a fellow about my age. And he realizes that if the rapture does not happen in our lifetime, and I've come to this realization, that more than likely I have maybe as many years ahead of me to serve the Lord as I did behind, but more than likely I've already served the Lord longer than I have left to serve the Lord. And if we're going to get something accomplished for the Lord, we better take the time to do it. I love the fact that, that Paul told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. I used to teach our young people because so many of them used to say, well, when I get older, when I get to be like you, when I get to this age, I'll start serving God. No, no. You ought to start serving God now. You ought to be so... I, I hate to say this because I... I hate to give teenagers more credit than they, they deserve in some ways. But the truth is, in their upper teenage years, they have more energy. They have more mental capacity. They have more ambition and drive and vision than, we, than we'll have at our age. If there's ever a time for some young people to do something for God, it's during those years. Redeeming the time. Let's not teach our young people that they have to wait till they're an adult to serve God. Several years ago, we started a radio station in our, in our church down in Florida. And I had one of the teenagers, uh, a young man named Michael, came up to me one time and said, Pastor Greg said, uh, I've got a good idea for a radio program. I said, okay, what is it? He said, I think, I think we ought to have somebody go through the Bible one verse at a time, start in Genesis, go all the way through to Revelation, and just read it and say a few words about it and, and move on to the next verse. I said, great, when are you starting? 
And he looked at me and he said, no, I, I can't do it. And I was like, why? Why can't you do it? Well, I'm just a teenager. But the truth is he could do it. And so I encouraged him to do it. Now, he didn't end up doing that idea, but there was another program that he and another teenager came up with, and they started doing it. It turned out to be a great ministry on the radio program. And they were so excited that God could use them at a young age. Can I tell you this? I don't care what age you are, whether you're 10 or whether you're 50 or whether you're 80, God can use you, and we are to be redeeming the time. So we find principles of Scripture that help us to allocate our time based on Bible principle. If I have a choice between A or B, are there some Bible principles that guide where my schedule is going to end up? If I have a chance to go to a ball game or go to that revival service that my church is having, are there Bible principles that guide that? If it comes down to the fact that I've got company coming in from out of town, but it's on a Sunday and I've got church on Sunday, are there some Bible principles that guide that? Allocation of our time. All right. I appreciate your patience. We're about 12 minutes past 8. I hope that this has been a help. And if you've missed some of the sessions, I think they're almost all recorded, if not all recorded, and we can get those to you. But, folks, I cannot express this enough. As your pastor, um, yes, it's important that we feed you from the pulpit and we try to give you things from God's Word. But for me, the most important thing I can do is teach you how you can go to God's Word on your own and learn things from Scripture. There's nothing special about me that makes me be able to understand Scripture any better than you can. It just takes the work and the study of it. So I want to encourage you in that, all right? Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. And, Father, that you would uh, help us not to just tuck this away in our mental filing cabinets. But, Lord, may we put it into practice. So much we are in need today of your people living by Bible principles, not just knowing them, not just being able to quote them or recite them, or to look at others and see how they should be living by their Bible principles. But, Lord, that we would live by our Bible principles, that we would get into this book and learn what you've taught us so that we can be honoring and pleasing to you, so that we can be a vessel of honor that is fit for the Master's use. I pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings, bring us back safely again on Sunday. Thank you for the time together of fellowship around your word and your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. Dismissed.